Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Here we go. This is The Skip Bayless Show. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reading and responding to your questions. If you'd like to have a question featured, remember to tweet at Skip Bayless Show on Twitter or leave your question with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to ask me whatever you want about what goes on behind the scenes at Undisputed, my personal life, or anything in the world of sports. My answers will always be candid, be honest, and be unfiltered. Thanks for listening to The Skip Bayless Show. Enjoy the episode. This is Michael from Columbus, Ohio. How many games do you watch at one time on NFL Sundays? That is a good and a tough question for me to answer. Week one, I did have a technical problem getting two games at once on my two giant screens in my sort of office that I watch the games in. Got two big screens side by side. But now we've got this year, as you well know, maybe painfully so, YouTube TV. My subscription caused some bugs to be in my system because I realized on week one, if I can explain this, because I'm not even sure I can explain it to myself, but I needed a second Roku installed so that I could put a YouTube game on this screen and a second YouTube on the other screen because with just one Roku, the same game would come up on both screens whether I liked it or not. So it cost me 1500 bucks to get a second Roku installed. Even that had some bugs in it. For a while, for a Thursday, the first Thursday night game, I had sound but no picture. Had to get the game on my computer, which I did, no problem. Technician had to come back. I'm sure that's going to cost me some more money. But the point is, I now have Roku 1, Roku 2. So I got 1, 2, and then the game on my computer. I have three screens going at one time. There's also on YouTube TV, you probably know this or noticed, there's a new four box that you can hit that allows you to see in miniature form, four games at once, but the sound comes from only one. 
Okay, so here's the truth and the answer to this question. In the end, if I'm really watching a game and absorbing it, if it's the game of the moment, Cowboys at Giants, Jets at Cowboys, whatever the game may be, even that Baltimore-Cleveland game the other day, I'm sorry, uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati game, is a big game for us on Undisputed. I picked Baltimore to win it all this year. I got Lamar winning MVP this year. So I'm watching it very closely, Lamar versus Joe Burrow. But the problem is, I can really only absorb, compute, drink in and and actually quantify in my brain one game at a time because football is an extremely and beautifully complex game. I I don't know how people go to the sports bar and sit back and just say, oh look there, look, look over there, oh look over there. How can you really comprehend the flow of the football game without actually locking in on one football game. I mean, it short attention span does not work. Attention deficit does not work when you're trying to get to the bottom of what's really happening in an NFL game. My new man, Keyshawn, he goes to sports bars to watch games. Love him for that because he loves to go out and be Keyshawn. My man, Michael Irvin, went with him to Keyshawn's, wherever, I'm not sure where they went. They sent me a picture of the two of them out among them at the sports bar. And that's all well and good. Keyshawn says, hey, come, come to the sports bar. Do you know what would happen to me if I went with those guys to the sports bar? Not that they're not huge. Michael's in the Hall of Fame and Keyshawn is just flat out Keyshawn. He, is, he has magnitude to him. Former first overall pick in the draft, USC Trojan superstar. Just give me the damn ball. These are big guys. And yet you put them in a sports bar, people are going crazy around them. You put me in a sports bar, people go different crazy. They would be all over me every second. Did you see that? What did you think of that? Hey, can you believe this? How about them cowboys? There's no way I could concentrate on the games the way I must. I live for this stuff. By Monday morning, I am locked and loaded. I am so ready to unleash on Undisputed with everything I saw and why it happened, the how of it, the, the, the depth of it, the essence of it. I always tell Keyshawn, you better come prepared. That's our motto. No mercy, as Wayne's first intro song said for us. And now it's good morning, and I say good morning and good night to Keyshawn because it's over. It, it's, it's hard to debate me on pro football. Keyshawn played it at the highest level. Michael did. Richard Sherman has high football IQ. So do I. But I have to lock in so hard on the game that, that I get every nuance that when they bring up something, I say, no, it was actually this way. And I pride myself on consistently, routinely saying, no, it's really this. But I have to watch the game very carefully. And in the end, that game has to be one game at a time, even though maybe I keep half an eye on another one.
Okay, indulge me. Just a quick aside. Quick thought for you on why I recently found two movies that were far less hyped, better than Barbie or Oppenheimer, which were the two blockbusters of the summer, of course. And that's in part because, for me, Barbie and Oppenheimer were so overhyped that by the time I finally saw them, they just couldn't live up. It took a while. Ernestine's still a little bit paranoid about COVID. You know, packed theater still surges out here occasionally. So am I. So we waited until the theaters had died down a little bit in our neighborhood to go see first Oppenheimer, then Barbie. We were very late to both parties. So we get bombarded with the hype. It's this, it's that. All of our friends are saying, oh, wow. Oh, you can't believe. Oh, this was, this was, it's the great, it's. You got to understand about me, if I may say so myself. I do have a strong intellectual side to me. I don't brag about it. It, it just is. My all-time favorite books, novels, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, William Faulkner's Light in August, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, even though I had some issues with it because of my home state of Oklahoma, but I digress. I'll leave that alone for now. Even if I go a little more contemporary, Tom Wolfe's Bonfire of the Vanities, absolute genius. But my problem with Oppenheimer is, because of that intellectual side, I knew the story start to finish. I know the rise, I know the fall. I am steeped in World War II history, fascinated by it. Study it. Lessons to be learned. So as brilliant as Christopher Nolan is as a director, he couldn't show or tell me anything that I didn't already know. So in stretches, Oppenheimer for me got a little slow, maybe a touch tedious. I once glanced over at my wife Ernestine and she was, she was dozing. Brings me to Barbie. It just couldn't live up to the hype I had experienced. And in the end, or maybe the beginning, I guess it was just a little too silly for me, a little too over-the-top cartoonish. I greatly admired Greta Gerwig's clever audacity, just her, her creation. But I heard so much, and I expected too much. Heard so, so much, expected way too much. I did not exactly float out of the theater in ecstasy. It was just pretty good. I'll give it that. It was pretty good. Which brings me to now. Forgive me, but Equalizer 3 is even better than one or two. I am the biggest Denzel fan. 
I love him in that role. He is captivating. Talk about grabbing screen. Just takes these movies over. That opening scene grabbed me by the throat. I wasn't ready for that. And all of a sudden, the tone was set, which led to that restaurant scene. Lord have mercy. Denzel in his 60s can still absolutely take Equalizer over. I was, I'd be the first to admit, I was more entertained by Equalizer 3 than I was by Barbie or Oppenheimer. Forgive me. Ditto for A Haunting in Venice. For the record, Ernestine and I are huge Agatha Christie fans. Talk about genius. The genius of the whodunit. The goat of the whodunit. The, the goat story is, and then there were none. You either know it or you don't. I read it when I was 14 for the first time in a day and a night. I couldn't stop. You want to talk about page turner. Just pure genius. We love her character, Hercule Poirot. David Suchet owned that character. We've seen every one of Suchet's performances as Poirot. Now Kenneth Branagh has taken over this role compellingly. I'm not saying he's a Christopher Nolan of a director, but Kenneth Branagh is very good. He's as good a director as he is an actor becoming Hercule Poirot. Haunting in Venice grabs you by the throat from the start. It's scary. It's complex. It's captivating. It's edge of seat. Ernestine and I were thoroughly entertained. We could not stop talking about a haunting in Venice this past Friday evening after we saw it. I'm still upset with myself that I didn't see it coming. I picked the wrong villain. I did not know the right who did do it. But for us, in the end, looking back, Barbie and Oppenheimer came and went. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. 
Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Vince from Minnesota who asks, are you good at sports trivia? This question got me and still gets me because I, I don't know. I might be. I've never participated in a trivia contest because I, I don't want or need to. I don't study trivia. I don't memorize trivia. I meet people occasionally who say, do you know who was the starting second baseman? For, you know, like these trick trivia questions. No, I don't know those. Sometimes I do because I just know. The point is that I'm not interested in the obscure stat or the arcane fact. I do know a lot of trivia naturally by osmosis because I lived it. I was there. I covered that. I remember that and that and that that most people don't because it became part of my psyche because I witnessed it and I wrote and talked about it. I started covering the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 10 in Miami. I know so much Super Bowl trivia just because it's common knowledge to me, but I, I didn't go look it up in books. I, I lived it. I know it because I experienced it. I covered the 1980 Miracle on Ice in Lake Placid. So I know some things about it that maybe you wouldn't. But in general, all I really care about is the now. I live for tomorrow. Right now, I'm living for tonight. I'm taping this on a Wednesday afternoon, and I can't wait for the two NBA games tonight so that I can deep dive into them tomorrow and undisputed. I will tear them apart through the night, overnight, into the very early morning when I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to run on the treadmill, and I will be reading about those two basketball games. And I'll be reading about what the Dallas Cowboys said today. I'll be absorbing the now for tomorrow. Tomorrow will become my trivia. But I, I, because of my life and my job, I'm trying to see the future and not the past. So all the trick questions, you got me. But on vast trivia knowledge, I might have you.
This is Ollie from Georgia. What movie do you wish they had made a sequel of? You know, I am a movie aficionado to the point of being a movie fanatic. I study what works, what doesn't. I've never been a big fan of sequels because if a movie is great in and of itself, it should stand on its own. Why would it need a sequel when, if you love that movie, you can just watch it again? Because the greatest movies, the more I watch them, the better they get. Casablanca. I can still watch it tonight. We watched it a month or so ago, and I loved every second of it. And every time I watch it, I, I said, oh, I, I missed that before. I missed that before. Chinatown. Ernestine, I love Chinatown. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway. They did make a sequel, The Two Jakes. It wasn't remotely as good as Chinatown. Chinatown just stands on its own. I could watch it tonight, and I would pick up two or three key little details I did not see the first time. If you move to comedies, Anchorman, one of our all-time favorites, if not the favorite, they tried an Anchorman 2, and it, it wasn't very good. We tried to like it. We just couldn't. I don't need another one. I could watch Anchorman tonight and laugh harder than I did the first time I watched it. I will say this. I mentioned this a few podcast back. I am the biggest Denzel fan, and and I love the character he plays in Equalizer. And I told you, Equalizer 3 was even better than 1 and 2. But remember, it's a one-man show. I know he's going to win. I know he's not going to die. I hope he's not going to die, like James Bond died. 3 is even better than 1 and 2 because it's Denzel. I, I know he's getting up there in age, but he can still pull this off. I buy every second of his physicality, his physical genius. He's a bad you-know-what in Equalizer 1 and 2 and especially in Equalizer 3. So sequels, I, as long as Denzel's up to it, I'm there for four and five if he wants to do four and five. Now, back to one of my all-time favorite movies, the, the first John Wick. I know they keep making sequels to it, and I've never loved any of the sequels the way I love the first one. I'm sorry. I'd still be happy if it were only one John Wick. I would be. I'd be just as happy with that. And now I'm going to go back one last time to a comedy. to Caddyshack. I don't know. I've never asked anybody, do you have to know golf to love Caddyshack? I don't think so, but I do know golf. I am obsessed with golf, and that movie gets golf. Caddyshack 2 just might have been the worst sequel in the history of sequels, and there have been a bunch of bad ones. I don't know what they were thinking, but they tried Jackie Mason in place of Rodney Dangerfield and Dan Aykroyd, and there's a little bit of Chevy Chase, but not enough, and there's no Bill Murray, and there's no Ted Knight, no Rodney. 
I, I don't need it because I could watch the original Caddyshack tonight and laugh out loud. Between that and Anchorman, I'm not sure I've ever watched any comedy that hit on a more consistent basis. Usually it's about 50-50 on swings and misses on jokes. Both of those are up in the 90 percentile for me. So I, I don't know what they're thinking because Caddyshack 1 was lightning in the bottle, the original Caddyshack. I know there are people, I've read the, the book that came out a couple of years back about the making of. They, they had no idea what they were doing. They thought it was awful. Doug Kenny, who was the driving force of it, I guess he committed suicide mostly over this because the early reviews were so bad. It's, it's what happens in Hollywood. It's, it's why these movies get rejected by studio after studio after studio, and then they become all-time great. I mean, I, I could still watch, you'll laugh, but I could watch The Wizard of Oz tonight because it's just all-time great. It's, it's just the ultimate underdog story, and it's so well done, and she is so great as Dorothy. Toto is Toto, and the witch is so scary. It's, it's just, it's just all-time great, and I, I didn't need a sequel to it because I can watch the original over and over and over again. Yet the producers didn't know what they had while they're making it. They didn't get it. She sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow early on out in the barnyard, and they wanted to take it out because they thought they, that it slowed the movie down too much. You could argue the greatest song in the history of movies, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You, you don't even know what you have until it takes hold and takes off and it becomes all-time great. Caddyshack is all-time great. Caddyshack 2 was an abomination. So in the end, now you've got your Godfather sequels. It's just carrying on of the story. It, it's historical. I, I get that. But when you nail A Wizard of Oz, and you nail Casablanca, and you nail Chinatown, and you nail Caddyshack, just let the original stand on its own forever and ever.